on this episode of the Naturist Living Show, Children and Naturism Part 1. This episode of the Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca Welcome, dear listeners, to episode 144 of the Naturist Living Show. And before we go any further, let's show a little appreciation for some of our supporters. Yes, thank you so very much to all of our dedicated Patreon supporters. And this episode is brought to you especially by the very generous support of Sammy S., Stephen D.L., Ray S., Walker M., and Bryce. Thank you all so very much for your continued support on Patreon. It is so, so appreciated. And now for the episode. One of the reactions that uh, we get commonly from people when they discover that it's a family park, even though it's in the name of Bear Oaks Family Nature's Park, is that there are children there and it's shock. And it's shock, and sometimes people are upset. Um, people have sent us messages that are uh, almost threatening because they're so uh, concerned for the children. Um, and I understand. I understand uh, that's this guttural reaction that people have. It's um, it it it's weird because really, in an attempt to protect children. And I understand that, you know, there was a time when I was younger that the abuse was hidden, uh, never spoken about, ignored, buried. Um, now we realize that uh, we have to act and we we need to uh, prevent. But as a result of this awareness, there's there's been this incredible paranoia about the world being full of uh, people that are ready to harm and abuse children. And, and the stats just don't hold that up. But even if there are some around, the, the places where they get uh, hurt are not nature's parks, because in nature's park, the children are with parents. There's lots of people around. Uh, in, in order to abuse children, generally, generally, by the way, it's somebody that they know. The stats certainly support that. But it's also, um, they have to be alone. They have to be in a position of power because people aren't going to allow them to do it if uh, they can see. So the, the the idea that the children are more at risk in naturism doesn't hold up when you think about it, but the emotional reaction is there. And in fact, the, 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 the in an attempt really to, de to, to protect children, they've sexualized them. We've sexualized them. I'm part of society too. We all are. Uh, when I was young, you know, kids uh, only... Uh, didn't wear a bathing suit, uh, and it was no big deal when they were very little. And little girls like my sister just wore the same bathing suit as I did as a boy because we looked the same, really. Our hair was longer, but other than that, she was prepubescent and she had no breasts. So what was the big point? But now even a three- or four-year-old wears bikinis 
And and really, isn't that sexualizing them? Isn't that turning them into these imagery that we see all the time of models in bikinis? Um, what happened to the innocence that a naked child was just cute and adorable and nobody thought about sex or pornography? Where did that go? It's too bad. And uh, I, um, I, I don't know how to go back there, and I don't know how to explain to everybody, but... Children actually benefit from naturism. And uh, I mean, we can see that. I've raised my own children that way, and lots of people have raised children in naturism. It's been a hundred years of family naturism. And we know from anecdotal evidence that uh, it seems to be good for kids. But, you know, you also have to look at science. Science and facts and research is important. And so in this first, the first part of two parts on children and naturism, because I want to cover this topic very, very well, we are going to dwell first into the science, into the research to see what people have to say about it. So we called Mark's story. Now, Mark's story is not an expert in children and nudity, but he is a professor. He is an academic. He knows how to read journals. And he knows how to evaluate them. And the number of studies that are out there on children and nudity and children and naturism or nudism, there are quite a few. They're fairly old, but that doesn't make them any less valid because humanity does not change fundamentally even as fashion and trends go. So uh, I gave him a call and I asked him to discuss with me all of the research that exists on this topic. My name is Mark Story. Uh, on the, the nature side, I uh, have been the uh, kind of a staff writer and uh, consulting editor for Newton Natural Magazine, sometimes called N Magazine. And that's been going on for, I think, a little over 20 years now. I've been for about 15 years, was on the board of the Nature's Action Committee, a political action group uh, that was uh, what used to be an adjunct uh, for the Nature Society, as well as uh, on the board of the Nature's Education Foundation, which was... Um, Again, another adjunct to the Nature Society for, for quite a long time, and it had as its uh, mission to provide education to uh, college students, business leaders, and legislators pertaining to naturism. I was also the director of the Naturist Education Foundation Research Library, one of the largest libraries in the world of uh, naturist materials. I write regularly for N Magazine. That's probably what I spend most of my time on. I've, for the last 15 years, I've been doing a column called Insight, where I take a look at academic journal articles uh, on naturism or something pertaining to non-sexualized social nudity. And then I, my task for this column is not so much to critique them as to simply explain to a naturist reading audience why they might be interested in this particular academic research. And uh, that's been a room, that's been fun. Um, that was actually before I wrote this article back I think, in 2005 on uh, uh, research on nudism and uh, childhood nudity. So, you know, why, why is it important to uh, have academic uh, research and to review it? And uh, why is that process important? Can't we just use our common sense to determine how the world works? To be honest, I would say sometimes that might actually be better than going to the academics. Uh, but academic research can, uh, if it's done well, and it's not always done well. If it's done well, it can give us some insights that we might not be aware of. It might fine-tune uh, our positions because uh, maybe we're half right and half wrong. We want to adjust things. Or we might find out we're just flat out 
mistaken in our assumptions uh, because sometimes we uh, tend to live in our own little world with our with our friends and acquaintances that tend to agree with us. So we just have our position reinforced over and over and over again. Um, academics attempt, at least they claim to attempt to try to be unbiased, a little more even-handed uh, going into issues. So I'm particularly interested in academic research about naturism because most of the academics are not naturists and they're quite clear about it, trying to show they don't have a vested interest in things. Um, I think there's other reasons they want to make sure that everybody thinks they're not naturists, but it does kind of give a, a, a sense that they're walking into the context and walking into the study uh, without too much of a, a chip on their shoulder or an ax to grind or something to promote. Some of these academic researchers do have backgrounds in naturism, um, and that's worth taking a look at too. And sometimes I think it's worth noting that they're walking into it thinking they're gonna get good news. Um, it, it, like with any topic, you just kind of got to find out who the scholars are. And more to the point, I wouldn't want to offer ad hominem arguments there. Uh, find, you know, take a look at the research and see if it's done well. Most of it's in psychology and sociology. So Which makes sense. To, but uh, yeah. so aren't you biased? I mean, you just told us about how much you the stuff you do for naturism. And I, I know you are by far the most prolific writer of naturist articles in the last several years. So when you're looking at this research, are you really being objective? I think so. I hope so. I really don't mind seeing idiocy in my tribe because I know my nature, some of my naturist friends are just crazy and some of them are absolutely brilliant. I see the same thing in the non-naturists I know of. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, I'm a naturist. And yes, I, I do believe when all the chips are down and the information's looked at, we're probably going to come out looking pretty good. Um, but it's not the answer to everything in the world. I'm not nuts. I don't think that uh, you know one thing, whether it's broccoli or skinny dipping, is going to make everybody delightfully happy and solve world, you know, great world peace. Um, but I don't think I need to worry about being biased too much because half the time I'm kind of knocking or critiquing the naturist authors, if they're naturist authors. If they have bad arguments, I'm happy to let the let those chips fall. If they're good arguments, I want people to know about it. Um, I, but as far as my column with Insight for N Magazine, I'm really not pushing naturism. I think everybody knows that the author of that column is pro-naturist, but... There certainly has been information that comes out from there that doesn't make naturism always look so great. And that's fine. And we just need to deal with it. If we need some change, let's change. Um, I haven't, I don't think that's a problem. Bias okay. on my part on that. I don't think so. Fair enough. I mean, you have a bias, but as long as you're aware of it, I think that's what's important, right? Uh, I'm also biased to truth. I'm biased yeah. towards good argumentation. So I have no problem with bias. I just don't want it to, uh, mess up or falsify my presentation of what I perceive other academics doing. Uh, and that's really all I'm doing. I think most end readers are thoughtful, engaged people, but they may not have a background in sociology or psychology or philosophy or academic history. So what I can do is try to sort through some of the um, academic ease and let people know there's some interesting points in here about naturism or relevant to naturism. If you want to read this kind of stuff, here's where you can go find it and make your own judgment. 
So in terms of academic research out there, is there much on uh, children and their and nudity and naturism and nudism uh, in terms of psychological and sociological kind of studies? Uh, there were more from the 1960s into the late 1990s, not so much in the last 20 years, uh, but there were some good articles. By good, I mean articles that other academics writing in the field would refer to. Uh, so if you take a look at an article about nudity and children, or just nudism in general, you're going to find them, uh, these other articles footnoted. So they're respected articles. The, the best one is the latest one by Paula Kami and some others. Uh, this came out, and you've got a series of, I think, three articles from 1945 through 1999. Um, again, an 18-year-long study that impressed a lot of people. And it was anthologized at least three times in uh, college textbooks on you know, sociology textbooks pertaining to sexuality and family behavior and whatnot. So it seems to be a respected discussion. Um, there hasn't been much, though, virtually anything, no empirical studies that I'm aware of in the last, say, 20 years. Uh, Commies was the last important thing. Now, there are studies about childhood, um, children and, and nudity. In the sense, like, how do children respond to nudity in the arts? There was a little slew of articles on that subject that came out just a few years ago. Uh, a lot of those articles were just in some kind of peripheral journals, but they were interesting. I think what you seem to be interested in is, uh, you know, childhood response to, say, nudism or family nudity. Mm -hmm. And that just has kind of fallen off the charts um, in terms of interest in the last 20 years for reasons I can't be sure of. Um, I do know that some researchers who want to work with the field feel like they're going to take some flack from their peers. Uh, ha, 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 you're talking about uh, nudity in children. And everybody starts thinking you're strange. So there's been... Or worse. Or worse. And so there has been a, a slowdown in the study in, in academia, I, I think, because too many researchers feel like they will just be perceived as strange or worse if they uh, tackle the topic. And you can tackle nudity. You can even tackle nudism, which is a little tough. You can tackle sex. No problem there because sex is cool. Yeah. Nudism is strange, but nudism in children, it's just a tough one for a lot of academics to want to grapple with. And uh, your prime, the reasons for publishing are, are varied. Some of them are just to pursue knowledge and disseminate it. Others are trying to get hired. Others are trying to get tenure. Um, and a lot of people who would think about tackling a subject like that might think, huh, I bet I can get tenure or hired if I publish something a little more to everybody's liking. It's unfortunate, but it's flat out true. And I don't know how anybody could deny that. But there have been some good things, so some worthwhile things. So of the research you've reviewed, I mean, you've reviewed, I think, all of it, you've said, um, are there any conclusion that are negative, that it's bad for children to be in well, nudism or naturism? My knowledge, all the authors I'm thinking of right now, these are academics publishing in reputable academic journals, print journals. Um, I don't think any of them were naturists themselves. A couple of them may have tried it, going to clubs or something, just to kind of see what it was like to get some firsthand experience. But as I recall, all of them would not be the first, they wouldn't be saying, yes, I'm a naturist, I'm here to talk about my people. Uh, they just seem to be interested in the subject. Uh, and in general terms, I am confident I can say that of the articles that have been published since the 60s on the top, you know, topic of empirical studies of how 
the experience of nudist life early on as a child impacts you. Uh, all the authors were surprised at how little negative impact there was. In fact, virtually none. Instead, what they're saying is it's flat out does not impact kids at all. I mean, you can study, uh, we can have a, um, a, a neutral test set of kids who are not nudists, and we can have kids that grew up in nudist families. And it turns out they both have the same kind of body acceptance, the same kind of uh, uh, concerns about sexuality as they're growing up. Um, but <clears throat> a number of these studies, I'd say more than half, in particular a commie study, the best and biggest study, said actually it seems to actually help kids out, particularly boys. Um, one study showed that uh, there was virtually no huge effect except the nudist, the kids raised in nudism, tend the boys tended to have less theft as a teenager, left less um, less interest in in sexual behavior outside of marriage anyway, and less drug use. So, <clears throat> what seems to be clear from a completely even-handed, I'm going to say, objective basis of reading these things, it looks like a life growing up, all else being equal, in a nudist environment is actually beneficial, a little bit at least. I mean, they, they can't do anything more than that. But they're all saying there's simply no good reason to uh, have this phobia about nudism with kids. So, and I would take me a little bit here to dig into finally a quote from Akami. But Akami's conclusion regarding children and seeing parental nudity growing up, he's, his conclusion was there's absolutely no reason to think it hurts kids. And it looks like it might actually help boys. And there's absolutely no empirical evidence to show or to back up the mania society and legislators are having to put restrictions on non-sexualized uh, nudity in the home. Kids aren't hurt by it, according to the academics yeah. who aren't walking into it, into the subject as, as nudists. So the fact that some of these studies go back uh, to the 60s, does that make... Uh, them any less valid? I don't think so myself. Some of the studies were from kids at nudist camps, and to the degree the environment of a nudist camp in the 60s, they shifted a bit to the 2020s. To that degree, nudist life for a kid might be a little bit different than it would have been in the 1960s. But as far as I can see from my experience with nudist camps today, they are just as supportive of keeping things safe for kids and allowing kids to play and do whatever kids like to do in the swimming pool and whatnot. Uh, it looks like it should be the same basic kind of experience. Certainly bodies are the same. Um, I think more to the point wouldn't be so much the, the time would be the location. Uh, most of these studies were done in the United States. It might be a bit different if they're done in Canada or if they're done in New Zealand, done in France or Germany, or certainly Asia or Africa or other, other we're getting further away from um, places where nudism is a little more common. Um, but most of these studies acknowledge that. Somewhere in, this, in these academic studies, and this is what makes it a better study, they will take the time to say, yeah, my, my study is, is, has a worthwhile point, but here's where I might be limited and more studies need to be shown, uh, need to be performed to fine tune these things. I mean, there's no question that there's a lot of things that have changed in children's lives. Uh, you know, in the 60s, very, very often you had a stay-at-home parent, usually a mother, uh, you uh, probably didn't have divorce, but you probably didn't have happy families either. But, and the parents maybe had very little to do with the children relative to it today. Uh, but yeah, I don't see how that would impact the experience with uh, naturism or nudism. 
I can tell you that the people, the, the academics doing research that has something to do with this topic and are wanting to quote from articles of the past to support their position, they're quoting these authors from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s today as if they're relevant and supportive of their position. So the academics, the scholars in this field, don't belittle the fact that some of the stuff came out of the 60s. Uh, so scholarship seems to be just as impressed or unimpressed with it. Uh, it doesn't seem to make a difference. You certainly can find people today in academia uh, referring to these articles. And as I say, there just isn't as much being written in the last 20 years on the specific topic of empirical research on childhood experience with nudity. It's that empirical part. A lot of theoretical, some theoretical stuff, people theorizing that you know, nudity is going to freak people out, therefore it would freak out a kid. Well, there's nothing, no real study there. But the people who actually are studying the kids are having to get with nudist kids or talk to other children about their experiences with nudity. And there's fewer and fewer academics wanting to do that now, I think largely because they get a certain amount of flack from their peers. That's my guess. Or, you know, some some topics just kind of go in and out of fashion also. Um, Comedy did such a nice job. It may be that some people think he pretty well covered it. I, that doesn't strike me as realistic. I, there's certainly more to be said, I'm sure. Well, what's important is in research like this also is to replicate uh, things yeah. so that you it's not just a coincidence that uh, something lined up a certain way. What... What do you think it takes? I mean, the problem is, of course, is who's funding this, right? A lot of research is done based on the kind of funding you can get. And would there be any funding available for this kind of research? That I don't know. Um, some of these authors will talk about their funding. And it seems to be kind of not quite relevant. If it's relevant, it's behind the scenes. And I just you can't see just from reading the thing. Um, the way it seems to work with the articles we're looking at here, we're considering here, a researcher gets an idea, uh, has uh, a desire to pursue a hypothesis. Uh, like for instance, Marilyn's story, different story, different spelling. Mm -hmm. Marilyn's story in the 70s, I believe it was, um, wanted to find out if uh, nudist kids uh, differed much in, from non-nudist kids regarding their attitudes about sexuality and body acceptance. Um, she got some funding from somewhere. I, I don't remember the details. I remember her talking about it. And it just didn't seem like a huge issue. And it's, she, heard, she found the funding from somewhere. Somebody thought she was going to do reputable research and was able to go for it. And by the way, her, her results were that the nudist kids grew up with considerably more body acceptance um, uh, than the non-nudists. Mm -hmm. But that just kind of looked favorable for, for nudism. I mean, you're, you're doing all this work reviewing uh, the studies as well, and you're doing it for all the money you're getting for it, right? <laughs> well, I get paid a little bit as a consulting editor and as a staff writer. Yeah, and our agreement is I get to do kind of what I'd like to do. And fortunately, what I'd like to do is what the editors would like me to do. So it gets along, we get along pretty well. Actually, I should be paying them to be doing this. Uh, oh, well, it's true. a contribution to the community. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. You yes. do the same thing. Sure, of course, of course. And the, uh, I mean, British naturism right now has been uh, paying uh, for some research to be done, right? I'm oh, sure you've seen with that. Keon West, I believe. Yeah, with Keon I mean, West. Yeah. yeah. That's a, an example, one of the better examples recently of somebody with academic cred doing some interesting research. Now, he's coming out of pro-nudist, 
but he's just doing straightforward empirical research. He's setting up, uh, you know, a test example and these other folks. And uh, some people do the thing nude. Other people don't do the thing nude. What's the result? Turns out the naked people feel better about themselves. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's dealing with kids yet, um, mainly adults, but uh, there's some good work going on. Well, maybe uh, Anna or TNS might want to fund somebody in the U.S. to do some research. Well, I know uh, when I was with the Nature's Education Foundation, I'm no longer with them. When I was, we were always looking for people doing research. It's actually, it was very tough. We could not give money away. We had a few <laughs> thousands of dollars that yeah. we wanted to give for research. We could not find anybody who wanted to do research, anything that was reputable. There was like we had one or two people who submitted um, articles for publication and it, it just didn't really work out. So uh, it's it's tough finding people who want to work with in a university setting, dealing with nudity socially and then tack kids in there. All of a sudden, unfortunately, it becomes kind of too hot for a lot of people to want to handle, I think. Maybe it'd be easier. There may not be that much. Yeah, it may not be that much interest. I don't know. Maybe most adult researchers want to deal with adults. I don't know about that. Um, there just hasn't been much. I, I routinely am looking through JSTOR, uh, EBSCOhost, ProQuest. There's a whole bunch of online sources that take me to um, sites, online sites, and print print materials that would deal with uh, produce academic articles uh, on naturism. And I think I'm pretty aware of most of the reputable stuff that comes out. Mm-hmm. Plus, I, people will send stuff to the Nature Society, and it, it always gets to me afterwards so I can take a look at it. Usually, I've already taken a look at it and read it. But uh, I, I think I feel, can feel pretty confident. There just hasn't been a lot on this specific subject in the last 20 years after your economy piece. I, I think it is important that this research was done and that hopefully more could be done. Um, although sometimes I think we have to research the fact that children being in their natural state may not harm them. Uh, it, it, just... it, it, it looks like there's absolutely no empirical evidence that would harm them. And there is empirical evidence that might actually help them. And there's fairly strong empirical evidence that seems to help boys. I don't know why it would help boys more than girls, but um, it's uh, I'm just no, but to, to me, the, the question is almost sh- should be the other way. I know I'm, I'm biased as a naturist, but not wearing clothes is our default state of being. I know it's not in society, but evolutionarily, stand, stand, from an evolutionary standpoint, we were we haven't worn clothes most of our existence. Um, so it would seem that the question is whether wearing clothes, which is a relatively recent phenomena, is harming children. Well, there could be empirical studies to show that. That could be the hypothesis to start with. I don't. I, I personally doubt if clothes are harming children. Uh, I, I don't think, think they are, I but think, I'm just saying yeah. attitudes towards the body and how clothes are used, though maybe not, which is not the clothes themselves, but the the fashions and uh, the body shaming that comes with it. But you know. I, I I do agree. I think a case could be made that a parents or legislators or society inculcating the idea into a kid that he or she is somehow bad, the body's bad, and that uh, if he sees a human body, that he will somehow be harmed or messed up. That is a harm. 
fairly could harm a child. Um, but I know more than an adult, you know, adults are going to be just as harmed by it as kids. It's just, it's kind of sad that it happens to kids because uh, they have more potential. It seems like once you get an adult, you're so messed up in so many ways. Uh, you're kind of like, well, do the best you can dude. <laughs> but a kid, it's kind of hard. It's sad to see a kid who just naturally wants to run around in a sprinkler buck naked. As I did when I was a little kid, my mom tells me not really put on shorts and somehow have that uh, be driven into him. My mom, she remembers seeing her dad drive away in a car one Sunday morning. He had to go to work or something. And she ran outside, took her little dress off. She had nothing on underneath and just kind of waved it in the air saying goodbye to dad. And the dad slammed on the brakes, drove back, came back and spanked the heck out of her. And she isn't an adult. There's an older adult telling me this billion years later. She said, that just stuck with her so much. She had no idea what she did was bad. And that probably messed her up a little bit the rest of her life. But yeah, maybe the dress didn't hurt her, but her dad's response to her just being naked and happy, that's what hurt her, not the nudity. Yeah, It's a parental response. That was sad. Well, I and I, I wonder if anybody's looked at that, but uh, what I'm about to say, actually. Um, the When I was young, it, it would not be unusual to see a four-year-old naked on the beach. And nobody ever thought, oh, my God, child porn. Uh, they just say, oh, isn't that cute, a little four-year-old running around naked on the beach. My sister, until she was uh, she reached puberty, only wore the same bathing suit basically that I was, which was a little Speedo-like bathing suit uh, because she looked basically like I did, like her chest anyway. Um, now we put bikinis on four-year-olds. Uh, four-year-old girls. Um, I think in an attempt to protect them, we've actually done the opposite and sexualized them. And they must feel that, right? Because that that reaction to nudity, that attitude towards nudity starts so early now. And having to wear these little things that are the same as what you see, the adult imagery of sexuality, must plant these ideas in their heads. And I wonder yep. if anybody's looked at that. I don't know about that specific um, kind of activity, a specific thing, but uh, there are some folks that it seems to me as Goldman and Goldman were looking at um, how children perceive modesty and perceive the need to wear clothes. But all that really came out of that study was uh, finding out that people, kids in Sweden thought that you really didn't need to wear clothes on hot days. Uh, kids in New Zealand, not you know, a little less. Kids in Canada, a little less. At the bottom of the pile, of course, in English-speaking countries outside of Sweden, it was the United States, where kids just thought, oh, my God, yes, we have to wear clothes, if it's, even if it's warm. Um, but it doesn't quite address what you're talking about. It doesn't quite address how this came about. I remember the conclusion of that Goldman and Goldman article was that uh, we need to be really careful how we, what we teach our kids. And again, they were saying there really doesn't seem to be any evidence to show that social nudity in the family or even outside the family causes any problems with the kids, but we certainly can mess kids' minds up if we try to uh, teach them that it's immoral uh, your body, certain body parts are immoral and viewing them is certainly immoral. Uh, but they really, you know, the articles didn't go quite beyond that. But that was another good article, I thought. I think an honest, 
and clear assessment of the academic research, the empirical academic research on children's response to childhood nudity in the home and outside the home is that it causes no harm to the kids and that it actually looks like it might help the kids in terms of personal body acceptance and how comfortable they will be with sexuality later in life. By that, I mean openness to others, uh, willingness to engage in, in close, intimate relations with others, um, what most of us would call healthy sexual kinds of relationships, sexual attitudes. Uh, it seems to be of help. Uh, it also seems to nudge at least boys towards less theft, less illegal drug use. Um, that may be relevant to some people. So the empirical evidence does, does not support the legislation and the mania against uh, non-sexualized family nudism. Yeah. So I think it's, to be a, now to be a nudist proselytizer, I would say it's up to us to show the world that we can be naked and our kids can grow up and probably will grow up perfectly happy. So now we've addressed the the aspect of uh, the academic aspect, and isn't it as as Mark said, there is no evidence of any problems. And I've looked myself; I've gone and spent hours and hours doing research in libraries and looking at journals because if there is a negative uh, research study out there, I wanted to see it and I wanted to find it. I wanted to be prepared when somebody threw it in my face and I couldn't find any of it. The most cynical interpretation of all those studies is that there's no negative or positive impact. But as a parent, and even in, in instinctually, you know that being comfortable with your body is a good thing. We know that for adults. We know it makes us happy. And we know that raising children who are more confident in their bodies and themselves is a good thing. That's obvious. So, But the, it does not make up, of course, for poor parenting. And there will always be stories as we've heard in some of the earlier podcasts, where children are in environments that are maybe are not pure naturist environments, not proper naturist environments, or where the parents themselves are not doing a good job as parents. And I don't, you know, parents out there, I know we've all made mistakes. None of us are perfect, and that's okay. But there are some very extreme examples of parenting styles out there that are emotionally abusive, and that you can't make up for that in naturism. Um, but good parenting with naturism, I very much believe, and I think the evidence is there, that it's good for children. So in part two, we're going to talk to parents, and we're going to hear them address all of the concerns that people have and why they do this. So tune in for the next episode, part two, Children in Naturism. For now, that will be all for this episode of the Naturist Living Show. Thank you, as always, for listening. My name is Stefan Deschain, and I'm your host for this podcast and the owner of Bear Oaks Family Nature Spark. I make the show with the help of Samantha Graham, who makes this task so much easier by producing the show and doing all the time-consuming editing. Uh, support us on Patreon, as Samantha told us in the beginning. Patreon.com slash show as one word. None of the money's for me. It all goes towards Samantha and the production of the show, so... You make that show possible if you're contributing. And if you're not, please take a moment and give us a few dollars every month to help us keep this show going. Uh, 
You can find links to all of the items that uh, we talked about in the show notes on the website at naturistlivingshow.com, and we'll put references to uh, bibliographies and some of the studies that were referenced. And also, please keep sending your comments and suggestions. I really appreciate getting them. Uh, the show's email address is contact at naturistlivingshow.com. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join us again for the next episode of The Naturist Living Show. This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. Traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social, and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca. seen I, I suspect you have the uh, YouTube video we did last year that was the first time experienced going to Bear Oaks the two women driving in the car and going to the park have you seen that one thanks so. I don't think so oh I'll send it to you four, four point it's one year as, as of two days ago and we have 4.8 million views uh, yep. it's a super and that wasn't the objective the objective was I discovered that one of the, the challenges that people have when coming to Bear Oaks for the first time is what's it going to be like when we drive in? Uh, and, you know, it seemed like a stupid thing. Like, what do you mean? Like, you just drive in, you check in like anywhere else. But, of course, it's such a foreign idea, so so antisocial that the logic has nothing to do with it. They're having this emotional reaction. They're going, you know, what, what's going to happen? Is there going to be, like, a committee? Do we have, like, they have, so this video, the idea is to show is when you drive in, you press the intercom, you drive through the gate, you register at the gas, at the desk with the person, uh, just like anywhere else, and to actually show it to them so they could visualize their their drive, and then we we added to that uh, the drive where they ask uh, questions. They ask uh, the, the experienced naturist is answering question to our friend who's driving with her. So I'll send it to you anyway. It's done. I didn't expect a lot of views. I just wanted something that I we could just send to people and say, okay, this is what it's going to be like. Watch this. A few hundred views, whatever. When it started growing, I went, oh my god. Now. Granted, the majority are watching it because they think they're going to see a whole bunch of skin. 
uh, and they're disappointed. Great. It's boring for them. That's awesome. I think I may have stumbled on this looking around in the video. I, I, what you describe, I've seen. Well, the number one negative reaction uh, comment, the number one negative comment in terms of themes is, ooh, hair on her armpits. Because Lauren doesn't shave her armpits. And it's vociferous. It's incre- it's, it's, some people are nasty about it. It's like, dude, okay, you don't like it. <laughs> fine but you had to write a comment and what what's with the insults like you don't, don't watch it you don't have to date her she's not interested in you either like one of my most memorable experiences in canada it was in a, a naturist resort i th- i can't remember if it was near montreal or quebec city um but it was a rather big place gigantic wide open field in a swimming pool everybody was nice enough and I really wasn't noticing much of anything because I was probably just tired, battling French. I could not speak that language to save my life. No one would understand me. Uh, but we, I remember walking into the swimming pool, walking down the steps, and this little girl was coming towards me, and she looked fine and happy. And she looked up, up at me and looked absolutely terrified. Hmm. I just had never seen such fear in a girl's life. And she kind of ran off and, and hugged her parents or whatnot. And I hadn't touch her. I didn't even look at her other than to realize this kid stared at me. All of a sudden she looked at me and was in fear. And I couldn't figure it out until later in the day, I realized smoothiness had really taken hold of this particular group and everybody was shaved. And my wife and I weren't. And the kid maybe just hadn't seen a bunch of hair on that part of the body before. Wow. And just, she thought maybe I was mutant or something. <laughs> That's bear. the only explanation I have because none of the other kids seem to have a problem. Uh, great club. But um, then I just, then we, my wife and I started looking and yeah, yeah. And if somebody was rather obese and you couldn't tell, we'd have to kind of see if we could look around various body right, parts yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. Nope. Never found a follicle after that. Wow. <laughs> Seems like a lot of work. It does to me. Yeah.